welcome to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. Our goal is to exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, and encourage the saint through faithful exposition of God's Word. Well, welcome and Happy New Year uh, to everyone in the room. We're really glad that uh, you would come out and worship with us and, and sing and, and just hear from God's Word. And so um, over the next few moments, as we worship together by breaking God's Word open, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. So if you have your copy of God's Word, um, whether it's a, a hard copy or on your phone, I want to encourage you to go ahead and open up there with me to Romans chapter 12. And I'm preaching a really simple message uh, just entitled Spiritual Growth spiritual growth. And uh, over the last few weeks, um, you know, I, at the end of the year, you try to do a little bit of inventory, see where you're at. And I looked earlier this year at the very beginning, um, on the first Sunday of 2023, we spent time talking about growing in godliness. And I think it's really awesome that the Lord's led us here to Romans chapter 12 to talk about how we can continue to grow. And, and I hope for you that today or tomorrow you would set some spiritual goals down and some resolutions on, on ways that you can continue to grow in your relationship with Christ in 2024. So um, before we get to this passage, though, uh, Haley and I, we were down in Florida this past week visiting with her family, celebrating Christmas, um, just having some time just to be able to rest and relax and just enjoy what Christmas is all about and the fact that Jesus came and he was born of a virgin. He went to the cross for us so that you and I can have life. But one of the other things we did while we were down there is we celebrated our youngest son's birthday with Haley's family. And so Baylor, we have two boys, Beckett and Baylor. Beckett's going to be five in March. That blows my mind. I don't know where these five years have gone. But then Baylor just turned three this past Friday on the 29th. And so we had an awesome time with Christmas, but I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of fun just talking to him about his birthday and just talking to him about all the exciting things that came with it. So, you know, as we're going in the car, as we're sitting at dinner, uh, especially after Christmas ended, as we approached the 29th, we would just ask him, Baylor, are you excited about your birthday party? Uh, yes, daddy. Yes, I'm excited. What do you want your birthday party to be about? The Grinch. And I'm like, okay, cool. The Grinch is going to steal your birthday. This is awesome. Um, we're asking about the things he would like. like, And so we're seeing this little two-year-old about to be three-year-old. His eyes just light up with excitement, the, the big smile on his face. And it, you know, it's just so precious to kind of see that in him. But no, no matter how excited he was about gifts, how excited he was about the cake, um, being around family, those kinds of things, the thing that you could just tell he was the most excited about was growing and getting bigger. I mean, he wants to be like his brother and he wants to grow. And so over and over, we're like, all right, so Baylor, what are you excited about? I get bigger, daddy. I get bigger. And, and I, like, he keeps talking about this and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just going to be completely transparent here. That messed me up. It just did. I'm like, no, you're not, son. You're going to stay this tall and that's it. It's final. I guess that's what we got. And I guess I'm just not ready for it, but it, we'll get there, I guess. But on his third birthday this past Friday, he comes in our room and we're like, Baylor, you're three. Like, how old are you? And he holds up the three fingers. He finally gets there with this one. And he looks at us and we're like, Baylor, are you excited? He said, yes, I'm actually three. And he looked at us and he said, I growed up. <laughs> I growed up. It was so sweet. And I'm not, I already kind of gave you the spoiler here, but in that moment, like we're sitting in our room, I'm misty eyed. Haley's like, pull yourself together. <laughs> And I just had that wave of emotion just thinking, man, like, all right, he's growing up. He's growing up. 
But about a second after I can, you know, consoled myself and put it back together, it was like the Lord used that phrase, I growed up, to just really speak to me in that moment. And it was like the Lord just like impressed on my heart and just asked a simple question. It's like he pointed out and said, Hayden, do you see the desire and the delight in your son's face to grow up? I'm like, yeah, I can definitely see it. I mean, I can tell he's pumped up. He's ready to grow. He's ready to go. And he's ready to do all the things in between, you know? But then it was like the Lord just asked me this question. How about you? Are you still desiring to grow up in me? Do you still delight growing in me? Are you still disciplined in your pursuit of me? And in that simple phrase that Baylor said, I growed up, I want to spend some time together as a church talking about how we can, as believers, continue to grow up. I think Paul lays it out really plainly in Romans 12, 1 and 2, and, and he really gives us a chance to ask two separate questions, because I think there's two kind of believers in this room. There's a believer that this past year, in 2023, you were like Baylor, and you were like, man, I grew I grew, I got saved, I got baptized. I've, I, every time I open the word of God, it's like I get another truth that God uses to make me more like Jesus. And I've never grown more in a year ever before in my life. And for you, you're in that stage of just delighting in it. You desire it. You can't wait to get in the word again tomorrow. But if we're honest, there are people that may have been there before, but as, be, as you begin to look in your own heart, you would say, honestly, man, I know I need to be growing, but right now it's not much of a delight. I don't have much of a desire for it. So what do I do? So this morning, as we look and talk about spiritual growth, let's, let's try to answer two questions. One, for the person that's been growing, how can I go through 2024 and continue to delight and desire growing? And then for the person that maybe feels stagnant, the question for you is, how can I discipline myself today so that I can delight in growing in him tomorrow. So in Romans chapter 12, I wanna ask if you would stand to your feet as we read from God's word. At this point in the letter, Paul has already laid out some incredible doctrinal truths. In the first few chapters, he says that the righteous and the rebellious, they're guilty. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then he gets into chapters four and five, and he begins to remind us that even though we're sinners, even though we've fallen, even though we are far from God, the Bible tells us in Romans five, verse eight, that God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Paul, he says that we are guilty, but Jesus comes and he does something about it. But he doesn't stop there with laying out the cross. He then goes into Romans six, seven, and eight, and he says, look, this is how you live the Christ life. You yield to him, you know that you're dead, and you allow him to live his life through you. And so Paul has laid out all these incredible doctrinal truths. And so here in chapter 12, verses one and two, this is the hinge where it goes from what we believe to now how we behave. It's the truth that we know to then how we actually apply it to our lives. Now listen to what Paul says in Romans 12. It says in verse one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, we thank you so much for this text. 
And God, we thank you so much even more for Jesus. God, we know that it's, it's by his cross and his resurrection that we're even here today. And God, we, we understand that there's power in the cross and there's power in the resurrection. And God, we are so thankful for that. So Lord, we rejoice in our salvation, but Lord, as believers, we don't want to just stay stagnant, God. We wanna to continue to grow in you. So Father, I pray that for the believer in this room, the ones that are growing a lot this past year, I pray that they would continue to have the desire for that in 2024. But Lord, for those that are, they may feel like they're, they're stuck, I pray that you would show them through this word and through this text how it is that they can walk with you again and begin to delight in spiritually growing. So God, hide me behind your cross. We pray that you would move in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How can I continue to grow spiritually in 2024? Now, Paul in, in Romans chapter 12 here, again, it's a hinge. It shows us to now what we do with what we know. And I want to show you three things from this passage that can really help and motivate us and really show us our role in our spiritual growth. So if you're taking notes as we think about growing spiritually, the first thing I want you to notice this morning is that there is a motivator for spiritual growth. There is a motivator for spiritual growth. Now, listen, we've already kind of hit on this a little bit, but around this time of year, most people make a list of resolutions of things that they would like to change or the things they'd like to see be different in the upcoming year, right? How many of y'all have made a list of resolutions? Oh, wow. Literally nobody. That's good, guys. That's awesome. Give it up for yourselves. So how many of y'all do the word? Like you pick a word for the year. No, good. This is great, guys. So let's just go to invitation and we'll let y'all do, uh, do some resolution. So how many of y'all know that when you do it, a lot of times you get to January 6th and it's like, okay, there it is. I, I failed. All right, four of us. Good. We get, we're getting some traction here. So we all know that a lot of times it's easy to be motivated the day you set the goal easy. January 1st rolls around. You want to save money. Easy to be motivated for that. You want to lose weight. You want to get in shape. You want to read your Bible. It's easy to be motivated. But then some time goes by and what we begin to see is that motivation seems to, when you get tired or when you go through tough circumstances, it seems like that motivation begins to grow less and less and less. Now, the thing about what Paul is laying out for us is he's reminding us that there is a kind of motivation that never dims, and there is a kind of motivation that never, that, that always works. And that motivation is simply this, the mercies of God. See, the mercies of God is what sustains us. The mercies of God is what saves us. The mercies of God is what sanctifies us. The mercies of God is what equips us. The mercies of God is what empowers us to do the work of Jesus Christ and follow his word. The mercies of God is what motivates us on a day in and day out basis. But not only that, it's what gives us the strength to do the work. So the motivator in our spiritual growth is the mercies of God. And Paul says that down there in verse one. He says, after everything I've told you, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that by the mercies of God, you grow. By God's mercy, you move. So for you, I want you to understand this point, very simple. The motivator for spiritual growth is the mercy of God. Now, I do want you to notice a couple things in this point, though. Look down there with me and how Paul approaches this. See, Paul approaches this in verse one, and he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now, we know a little bit about Paul, right? We know Paul was the greatest missionary to ever 
walked the earth. We know that Paul had an incredible testimony. We know that Paul went from being a Christian killer to then being a church planner and seeing so many people come to know Jesus. We know Paul has an incredible life story. Now, we also know that if you and I were in those shoes and we were in Paul's shoes, it'd be a little bit easy for us to go to a group of Christians and be like, hey, man, you know who I am. You know the stuff I've done. You know how God's used me. Let me just show you and remind you of my credentials. And now you're going to listen to what I say, right? Nobody else in this room. So y'all going to have to talk to me and like agree with me with something here this morning. We'll preach all night. I don't know. Now, Paul, he could have very easily reminded them of his credentials. He could have very easily used his charisma to command them to do something. But that's not what Paul does. He goes to them. And he appeals to them and he approaches them with humility and with meekness by reminding them of the truth that would push them to actually do something. I love that about Paul. It wasn't about his authority. It wasn't about his title. It wasn't about his gifting. It was about the truth. So Paul, he goes and he says, I beseech you based on everything you know, based on the fact that you and I were guilty in our trespasses and sins. We were dead, but then God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, he sent Jesus to be born of a virgin, to then live a perfect life, to teach incredible sermons and to do and perform different miracles. But ultimately, we were reminded through Romans and through what the, the good news is, Paul saying, by the mercies of God, Jesus went to the cross for you. And so that's what Paul is appealing to them. He, he approaches them by truth instead of just flashing a badge and, and, and commanding them to do something. You know, he says, no, based on the truth, there's something I want you to do. See, truth is important, guys. Truth is very important, amen? But truth always involves some tension, right? So when you begin to hear about the fact that we're sinners, some of y'all might've gotten uncomfortable and you're like, man, I'm a, I know I'm a sinner, but he's, you know, he's kind of stepping on my toes right here. Maybe, maybe when we begin to talk about how gruesome the death of Jesus was on the cross and how he became a curse for you and for me, you begin to think, man, that's a little bit tense. I don't know if I'll, I like that. Well, truth requires tension. And a lot of times, like truth is a lot like a kite. See, if you were to go and fly a kite outside on a windy day, you are holding that and you're keeping it grounded to the ground, right? You're holding the string. When the wind begins to pick that truth up, that kite begins to soar. It's a beautiful thing, right? In, in, in this illustration, you and I are like the kite. We're the thing soaring through the Holy Spirit and through the word of God. We can soar to new heights and we can thrive uh, based on us being tethered to the foundation. But as soon as you go to that string and you cut that string, you might fly for a minute. But without truth tethering you to the foundation, you'll soar for a minute, but I promise you, you'll crash and burn. And so what Paul does is he is not going to them saying like, hey, do what I say because of who I am. No, he says, follow this because of who he is. So he approaches this, this subject with, with meekness and with humility, but then notice this too, this is important. He begins to appeal to the saints. So here's what he says. Look, look in verse one, he says, I beseech you therefore, and then he tells them what to do. He says that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That's the part that we, that we oftentimes think. We think, okay, this is what you're telling me to do. I'm gonna present myself to God. So he approaches them with meekness, but then he appeals to them by what? That part right there in the middle, by the mercies of God. See, what do we know about God's mercies? 
Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 tell us that his mercies are new every morning and we don't perish because he's faithful and he's loving. God's mercies are new every day and great is his faithfulness. We know about his mercies that his mercies are what got us here today. You have breath in your lungs, that's God's mercy. You live in a home with heat and AC, maybe if the heat doesn't even work that great, that's God's mercy. You're born in a country where you have the freedom to come to a church and gather with other saints to hear from God's word and sing about Jesus. That is God's mercy. You have money in the bank, maybe a little bit, maybe a lot. That's God's mercy. You have food on the table. That's God's mercy. He has so much mercy for us. But then Paul, let's not forget that through 11 chapters, he reminds us of a lot of other mercies throughout the book of Romans. Write some of these down. Listen to this. Paul in chapters one, two, three, four, and five, he reminds us of God's grace. That's a mercy. We didn't deserve his grace. But that grace should motivate us to continue to present ourselves to him, amen? Another mercy that we have in Romans is love. Romans 5, 8, and then Romans 8. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. That's an incredible mercy from God. Another mercy that we see in Romans, just Romans, is the comfort of being with other saints. Romans 1, 12. That reminds us, Paul says, I'm comforted when I'm with you. We can find comfort there. That's a mercy of God. I don't know if you've ever considered that, but maybe when you come in here and you feel differently, it's because God's giving you the mercy of being around other like-minded believers to edify you and help you grow in your faith. What's another mercy? Peace. Romans 1.7, Romans 2.10, Romans 5.1, Romans 8.6. God's peace is a great mercy for us. His patience is a great mercy for us. His kindness is mercy for us. The hope that he gives us, Romans 5.2, that's a mercy of God. But can I give you one more? The Holy Spirit is a mercy of God. God saw that we were needy people. I don't know if you figured it out yet, but once you pray to receive Christ, you can't live the Christian life on your own. And it's also not peaches and rainbows every day, amen? So you need a comforter. You need a, a paraclete in the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you to show you how to follow Jesus. So for one of the mercies that we have is the Holy Spirit. And Paul reminds us, so he approaches these believers and says, I beseech you by God's mercies. And in his approach, he appeals to them to remind them of how good God has been to us. Take that in for a moment. Consider the mercies that you've experienced just today. Hearing kids run down the hall, coming to a great church, singing awesome songs, being able to have an open Bible that you don't have to worry about being arrested for. Think about the mercies that you've experienced just today. Mercy is a motivator. Mercy also makes it all happen. So when Paul says this and he, and he reminds them of God's mercy, again, look back down in verse one. He tells us now what we are called to do. He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And look at this, look at this. Which is your reasonable service? It's as if Paul lays all this out there. He reminds us of how good Jesus has been to us. And he says, this only makes sense. This is the only choice you and I have. It's only reasonable for us to be motivated by God's mercy and then say, God, you've been so good to me. Here I am. Have all of me. Have every part of me. That only makes sense. 
Well, why has it become so hard sometimes? For the one in the room that, man, you, you are trying to grow, but you, that desire is dim. Circumstances are raining in. It seems like your circumstances are bigger than the God you serve. You're already sitting in your seat and you're like, yeah, I, amen to that. I know God's mercy should motivate me, but why is it so hard? It brings us to the second thing about this message. It's only reasonable for us to, to be motivated by God's mercy, but notice secondly, the participation in spiritual growth. You and I have a role to play. We, we can do this because of God's mercy. We're empowered to do it by God's mercy, but now you, you and I, we have a choice to make. Are we going to set ourselves in a spot to grow in the Lord? Now, spiritual growth is it's really simple. It's allowing the Spirit of God through the Word of God to illuminate the Son of God so that the child of God might do the work of God. It's really simple. Saying, Lord, here I am. I need your Holy Spirit through the word of God to illuminate the son of God so that me as your child can do your work. It's just that, but it ain't always easy. Amen. You're going to have to keep amen. I mean, you're just going to have to see, here's where it gets interesting. Here's where, here's where the rubber really meets the road. Point number one, that's where the singing and the gathering comes in. Point number two, participating with it. That's where the serving and the going comes in. Point number one, this is where, this is where the like-minded comes in. We're amen and everything, but point number two, this is where the mission comes in. These two things are married. You can't have one without the other. And you, you want to be careful. You don't want to just call yourself a Christian because you come to church and you raise your hand, you take notes, but then you don't go and actually obey what God says. I better just go through the point right here. What Paul's saying is saying, by the mercies of God, now it's time for us to make a decision. Here's the decision that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, because it only makes sense. Now, as we participate, I want to give you two truths in this point that I want you to see. First of all, participation requires sacrifice. It requires it. When he says down there, look at this phrase, says, present your bodies. That word present it's, it's in the active sense. It's a verb in the active sense where it's not just a one-time decision that you made in the past. Rather, it's a conscious decision that you're making in the present. So even while you're sitting in your seat, you're thinking, hey, uh, God, I'm gonna need you to keep me locked in so I can hear from your word. I'm gonna present myself right now to you. And then in just a minute, when invitation's over, I'm gonna present myself right now to you again. And then I'm gonna present myself right now to you again. So you have the pre present, right? It's a moment by moment decision where you're saying, here I am, Lord. But then the next phrase, it says, present your bodies. What's Paul saying? He's saying you're making a moment by moment decision to give God everything about you. Here I am surrendered, God, you can have my thought life. Here I am surrendered, Lord, you can have my wallet. Here I am surrendered, Lord. You can have my, where my feet go. You can have what my hands do. You can have what my eyes see. You can have what my ears listen to. You can have what my mouth says. Every single part of me. You know what's so cool about that part right there? We're motivated by the mercies, right? What's so cool about that is Paul leaves no room for excuses. I didn't say this in the first service. So y'all, you know, 6,000 of y'all in here this morning, like this is going to, I guess this is what the Lord wants us to do. No room for excuses. So it's not, there's no room to say, man, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I can't really live the Christian life. Mm -mm. <laughs> no, sir. 
I don't have the mouth, the, the words, uh, the mouth. I don't, I don't have, I'm not very eloquent speaker. See, I stuttered through that. I'm not that intelligent. I, I, don't, I don't have that much influence. Those excuses, they die when you present yourself to the Lord. So you present moment by moment all of who you are, but then you also have to understand when it says holy and acceptable down there, you're presenting yourself to the Lord by his terms. So you're not going to him and saying, Lord, here's what I want to offer you. Here's what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to serve in the nursery as long as you allow my retirement fund to grow. This isn't about you, man. It's not. It's not about us. We're not coming to him based on our terms. Instead, we go present all of ourselves, moment by moment decision, thought life, words, what we see, what we do, where we go, our desires, every single part of us. We say, God, I'm coming to you on your terms. I'm going to respond to you in obedience. And then here's what's so cool. You do that every day as a living sacrifice, understanding the cost. Right there in the, in the middle of those phrases that we've just kind of picked apart, present your bodies holy and acceptable unto God. Look at that next little phrase, as a living sacrifice. You know, over in the New Old Testament in Genesis chapter 22, there's the story of Abraham and Isaac, where Abraham and Isaac, they went, and Isaac was the promised son. Well, one morning, Abraham heard from the Lord, and the Lord said, hey, go to the mountain, and I want you to build an altar, and I want you to lay your son down, and I want you to sacrifice your son on that altar to me. Abraham's thinking, I need some, like a hearing aid or something. Lord, are you sure? They begin to take their servants. They, they pack up all of their things. Isaac looks at his father that he knows loves him and he's holding the wood, he's holding the supplies and he says, dad, we've got all this stuff, but where's the sacrifice? Where's, where, where's the animal? And Abraham, by faith, he says, God will provide himself the sacrifice. I believe that Abraham knew that even if Isaac died, God was going to raise him back up right then and there. And Abraham was acting in faith. And we highlight Abraham's faith. But put yourself in Isaac's shoes for a minute. If I'm 16, 17 years old and Papa Crump is 107, and he tells me to lay down on an altar, Papa Crump's my dad, by the way. He tells me to lay down on an altar. As soon as he raises that knife, you know what I'm doing? I'm making the decision to roll off that altar and to roll on down that mountain. I'm not letting my dad just drive a stake through me. I'm sorry, I'm not. But you know, it's so true a lot of times, like it's easy to be motivated by the mercies of God. And then you go to present yourself to the Lord. And then as soon as it gets inconvenient for you, you know what it's easy to do? Whoop, roll right off that thing. I'm very glad I was not that close to that step where I would have gotten dizzy and I would have been rolling down this, these steps. What is it for you that it's easy to roll off the altar for? Maybe for you, it's easy to lay down when you're worshiping in here, but then when God impresses on your heart to go and have a hard conversation with a brother or sister in Christ that's in sin, that's when you roll off and you're like, no, that's not my job. Maybe for you, it's when your lost friend or family member or coworker, you know they're lost and God just opens the door for you just to share the gospel with them one more time and you say, ah, it's a little bit inconvenient. I don't want to be mocked by my coworkers. I don't want to be laughed at by my family. So you roll off the altar. What is it for you? Maybe for you, it's, it's, it, you look like you're laying down on the altar, but there's some secret dark sin where every time you're tempted by it, instead of staying on it and allowing God to kill that desire and kill that temptation, you lay on the altar just to serve your flesh. For you and I, if we're going to really grow spiritually, we have to be motivated by the mercies of God, but then we also need to participate 
As we participate, we have to understand that there, it requires a sacrifice. And let me just remind you of this. One way or the other, it's gonna be hard. But we've gotta be able to choose our hard. You wanna lose weight this year? It's gonna be hard to get up in the morning and to go for a walk or go for a run. But you know what else is gonna be hard? To not do that. You wanna grow in your walk with Jesus? It's gonna be hard to get up in the alarm clock at 4.30, 5.30, 6.30 in the morning to get up and get in the Word. But you know what else is gonna be hard? Trying to live your day in your own strength by not being renewed in your mind. It's hard. We have a choice to make to choose our heart. I wanna choose the heart of denying myself, picking up my cross and allowing Jesus to live his life through me. And I hope you do too. See, for us, there's this participation that we're called to and it requires sacrifice. But then notice quickly, this next piece, it also recognizes the cost. If we're gonna participate and grow spiritually, we understand that there's a cost to not do it. If we choose not to spend time in God's word, it's going to cost us something. Now look down there in verse two, it says, and be not conformed to this world. Conformed is an important word because over in Romans eight twenty nine, that same word is used and it says that God's purpose for your life is to conform you in to the image of Jesus. That's what God's trying to do in the believer's life. Not just get you to heaven, but while you're here on earth, he wants to conform you into his image. That's a good truth right there. But then there's this contrast. We're either gonna participate with God and being conformed into his image, or we're just gonna begin to drift away from God's word. And you know what begins to happen? We begin to think like the world does. We begin to speak like the world does. We begin to think like the world does. We begin to do the things that the world does. And you may not realize it, but there's either one way or the other. Either you're gonna spend time in God's word and through prayer, let the spirit of God and the word of God show you the son of God so the child of God can do the work of God. You're either gonna do that and be molded into the son of God's image or you and I are gonna choose the hard of being lazy. And you know what it cost us? It cost us a standard of, of holiness. Because guys, I've been there, man. I, I remember, I've shared this story before, but I didn't say this in the first service, we got a little bit of time, but I remember several years ago, there was a crime that was committed here in our area and I just dropped, I guess a few years ago, I just dropped the boys off at my mom's house and doing like you know, any you know, grown man does, I just went straight to her pantry. You know, I'm thinking, okay, you got Pop-Tarts, mom? Like, what you got? So I don't know why I told you guys that detail, but here we go. So I'm, she's sitting there talking to me and she's like, Hayden, can you believe what just happened right up the road? Can you believe about that crime that just happened? It was a pretty terrible crime. But as I'm thinking and hearing that, I'm not moved. I'm saying, oh man, that's terrible. I can't believe that happened to so-and-so. That's awful. That's awful news. But honestly, my heart wasn't grieved. You know what was happening in my own heart? I was becoming desensitized to the things that God hates. For me, you know what it was through? It was through watching some shows that like, you know, like the, the PD stuff or like the fire shows, the, the cop shows. And like, for me, I had to understand that that was desensitizing me. That was changing my standard of holiness. And it was impacting the way I think about the things God hates. And for us, we have two choices. We're either gonna sacrifice ourselves to say, God, here I am, I'm presenting myself to you so that your work can do that work in me. Or we'll begin to drift away and it'll cost us that standard of holiness. Is it easy? No. What choice are you gonna make? See, here in this, this sermon, we've talked about the motivation or the motivator of spiritual growth. We've talked about how we must participate in spiritual growth, but I wanna leave you with this. The third thing is that there is satisfaction in spiritual growth. 
Down there in, uh, in verse two, towards the end, it says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's never been a time in my ministry and talking with people and friends where I've heard someone say something like this. Hayden, man, I've been reading the Bible every day the last month and I hate it. I've never heard that before. I've never heard someone say, man, I finished my Bible reading plan and God showed me a lot of good truths, but I hate thinking like Jesus. I've never heard that. I've never heard anybody say like, it was awful. I've never heard that. You know what you hear? Man, there was something that happened in my heart as I read this thing. I'm not even gonna lie to you, Hayden. I was skeptical when I got to Leviticus. I didn't know what they were talking about, but God was showing me things through his Holy Spirit. And you know what you begin to see in their, on their face and in their eyes and in their heart and in their life? Joy, satisfaction, a true change, a transformation. Why? Because they're being conformed to look and think and act like Jesus. So there's satisfaction in spiritual growth. And what he says, he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here's where it just gets really practical. You want to grow in 2024? You want to grow on a day in and day out basis? Spend time praying with the Lord and reading his word. I promise this word will not return void. This is a guarantee. You spend, you spend every day in the word. I promise you won't feel lonely anymore. I promise the temptations that you feel will begin to become less and less and less. I promise the way you look at lost people is going to shift. I promise the way you think about your money, your time, your agenda, it's all going to change. Why? Because you're looking more like Jesus and there is satisfaction in the transformation. There was a study done uh, at the National Institute of Mental Health where two uh, neuroscientists, they brought in a group of people to just kind of test out just some simple, basic motor skills and what would happen to their, in their minds. Now, the test was simple. They brought them in and they had everyone go through an MRI and perform this test just to see which part of their mind was activated, which part of their brain was activated. Now, the test was that they had to just perform a simple tapping of their finger one time a day and just do this drill. I mean, super simple task, right? Just tapping their finger. So every day, they would come and they would, for four weeks, they would, at their home, they would just tap their finger and do the drill that these neuroscientists and doctors asked them to do. Well, at the end of four weeks, just four weeks, these scientists, they had them perform the same test. They hooked them up to an MRI or put them in, in, in an MRI. And what they found is that spot that was activated four weeks earlier had now grown inside of their mind, inside of their brain. What does that tell us? that the habits that we choose to follow, it impacts the way we think and the way we live. You spend time in God's word on a daily basis, it's gonna change your mind, it's gonna change your heart, it's gonna change your life. See, for us, what, what happens is we can find satisfaction by being transformed, but then look at this last phrase and then we'll be done. There's a satisfaction in the transformation, but then there's a satisfaction in the confirmation. It says, as we're transformed, it says that you may prove, underline that phrase, may prove, may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, can God's, can God's will be described as good, acceptable, and perfect? Yes, of course. But the way this is really written and communicated through Paul is that phrase may prove is it's a statement for you and I as believers to, uh, to approve of. It's a statement where we are in favor of something. 
So what we're doing as we are transformed by God's word and we begin to live his will out and we begin to look more like Jesus, what happens is people are gonna notice that, right? They're gonna notice that you're not talking the same way you used to talk. They're gonna notice that you're not doing the same things you used to do. And what they're gonna see in your life is a change. You know what they're gonna see? They're gonna see that you believe that living out God's word and following his will is good, acceptable, and perfect. You see, for you and I, we have the incredible invitation as believers to join God in, his, in this journey and begin to follow Jesus and be transformed and grow spiritually. We have this incredible opportunity. But now it's time for you and I to make that decision of what we're gonna do. And I know, I know we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know exactly when Jesus is coming back, but my mind goes back to Baylor and how he looked at me just this past Friday. Baylor, you're three. Happy birthday, buddy. If you know Baylor, he'll kind of give you a little smirk and then kind of do that right there, kind of stick his jaw out like he's proud, you know? I said, you're three. He goes, I growed up. Here's Baylor looking at his dad who's, you know, we're trying to give him a good life. We're trying to provide for him. And he's just making that statement, I grew up this year, dad. Now he's got a lot of growing to do. Probably gonna be like six, eight, you know, whatever. We'll see what happens. I better stop that thought before I get too far. Baylor's gonna grow and he's gonna continue to grow. But imagine that at the end of next year, end of 2024, you're standing before the father and you're given an account of how you spent your time this coming year. What are you gonna say? God, I know that your mercy is motivating me, but God, I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't participate in it. Shame on us to ever respond to the cross and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ like that. You know what I want us to say? You know what I wanna be able to say? If next year, next December, we go and stand before God, I want us to say as, as believers, just simply look at our father and say, Father, I growed up. I've gotten bigger. I look more like your son. And over the next few moments, we're gonna have a time of response. And for you, if, if you're listening about spiritual growth and you've heard all this stuff about how to grow and how to be motivated and participate, but there's never been a time where you trusted Jesus and gave your faith to him and put your faith and trust in him and repented of your sins, what you need to do in the next few moments is come find me, Pastor Chad, Pastor Colin, Pastor Mason, Pastor Robert, Pastor Phil, and just say, I need to be saved. See, for you, when that happens and you put your faith in the cross, God will change your heart and he'll give you that desire to grow in him. But maybe for you, the second part of this invitation, as you begin to think about who you are and where you're at in your walk, maybe you have been growing in a way that you never thought you would. And this, is, this has been a year of growth for you. I wanna encourage you to come down to the altar or there in your seats and just begin to say, God, thank you for your mercy. Help me continue to participate in your work in my life this upcoming year. For you, it might be that you've grown stagnant. How about come find a spot in the altar or there in your seat and say, Father, I, I don't wanna just, I don't wanna sit still anymore. I wanna grow in you. Let this be a year of change. Maybe for you, you wanna start in the year and start next year right by joining our church or taking the next step in baptism or joining a grow group, whatever it is that God is calling you to do in order to continue to spiritually grow, I wanna encourage you to do it. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. If you'd like additional information, please visit mtpisgah.cc.